This is your Frederick Real Estate Update, a conversation about the regional real estate market with tips for buyers and sellers. Your hosts, REMAX Results, Darren Ahern, and Presidential Bank Mortgages, Terry Kernan. Hey folks, welcome back to your Friend of Real Estate Update. I am Darren Ahern with REMAX Results, bringing you over 20 years experience in the Maryland and PA region on this beautiful January 20 snowy cold day. This is program number 341. And the man that's usually here, the myth, the legend, the guy with all the money, Terry Kernan from Presidential Bank, he had to um, attend a funeral last minute here today. But I also have a very special guest that was willing to come on and share a little bit, uh, continue on really from what we started to open up a can of worms last week that dealt with life estates and things like that and there's so much to it and i know i've already had some people this last week uh one person had asked me and they said well how does that relate to loans and mortgages and real estate and all that kind of stuff like that i thought that deals with like wills and probates and this and that and all the other stuff and i thought well it actually merges and it comes all together with ownership of real property so i have with me i would say also the one and only lindsay warns from uh, from what company you're going to tell us all. So, Lindsay, introduce yourself. Tell everybody who you are. Hi, thanks so much for having me. My name is Lindsay Warns, and I am with Willow Legal Group. And we are an estate planning and elder law firm. Um, we service primarily Montgomery and Frederick counties. We are located down in Laytonsville, but we have a lot of ties up this way. So we're here a lot. Very good. <laughs> well, thanks for coming on. We're going to open up the phone lines. I want all of our listeners out there, Lindsay, if anybody has a question about life estates and wills and just things with ownership or property, because this is a really big deal. Um, I know we may have listeners that say, Ooh, what about my parents' property? What about this? I may inherit something one day and well, I want to make sure I have the right documents and paperwork in place and lawyer like yourself, or I, I just need direction. I have questions, cares, thoughts, concerns. We're going to open up the phone lines right now. And of course, after the program, she's going to give her information so you can jot that down really quick and get in touch with her directly. So phone lines are open 301-694-9363. And you can also text a question to her and I as well. And we're going to cover all that right before we do, Lindsay, and we get right on to, to, to what you do and the important things of this that deal with real estate. I'm going to tackle the numbers really fast. Total active homes on the market. I don't know if you've been paying attention to our program or the market and what's going on because I like your thoughts too. We still can't get above 300 homes for sale in the entire county and that includes brand new builds. We have 244 right now. Wow. Yeah, 244 homes for sale, 126 resales. The lowest we've ever seen, which literally lasted for like three seconds, was 79 resale homes, but we were in the 90s for like a day, and then we were above 100 again, and then we got really excited last year because we got above 200, and I'm feeling really good. And now we hit the doldrums and we're down to 126 and we're literally starting to break open in the spring market. This is the time of the year, traditionally a well-balanced, good, healthy market. We would have about 600 homes for sale. Really? That's how bad it is. Wow. Uh, the average time the market's been creeping up over time doesn't mean prices are going down, but we have an average time of 59 days on the market. The best we ever saw was during COVID at the height, we saw 16 days. Mm -hmm. And so we're starting to get back into that time of market where you either sell right away or you are dead right away, depending <laughs> on where you price the house. It's that simple. The average price, $499. So we've been hovering around $500,000 of the average uh, home, single family home in Frederick County. 
County, and the uh, and then townhouses are about four hundred, about a hundred thousand dollar difference. New construction, hundred eighteen. It's been settling there for a long time. Normally, a good market would be one hundred and fifty to one hundred and seventy five. Brand new homes coming soon, thirty. This is the big number. Until we see that go above a hundred, we are in big trouble inventory wise. I can tell you now. And then pending under contract, uh, we have less than three. Um, we have about three hundred and twenty five with an average time of 27 days in the market, sold in the last 30 days, 163, which is almost the lowest we've ever seen. And December was actually um, probably one of the lowest we've seen in, in well over almost 10 years or more, um, or since the last big recession, which this has nothing to do with at all. And then the list of price sell ratio, 99.6. So, all right, those are just some of the numbers. I don't wanna take away any more time from our special guest, so Lindsay, Tell us, we started last week, Terry and I were starting again too, and he's wrestling with a lot of issues that are dealing with life estates and how this affects real estate with documents and authority and who can sign and do what. And just as you know, from a background experience of 20 years with me being a real estate agent, my biggest care, thought and concern about all this kind of stuff that is your world is I just want to make sure I know who's in charge if someone dies, who's got power of a attorney or who's the rep personal representative and who's got letters of administration. And like, I got to know exactly who's talked to a lawyer. Let me have their name. Who's got what before I can ever let somebody sign on a listing agreement um, and sell a property or anything like that. So you've got the platform. Here you go. You're up. All right. Thank you. So this is a huge issue because there's a lot of different documents that can go into play with um, what we just generally call estate planning and also incapacity planning. Um, and it could all be the same person that's nominated in every single role, but it's which document is required for each particular thing. So um, I did listen last week to the show and I just wanted to kind of address life estates briefly and why they can potentially cause problems. The general, I think, reason that people do life estates is to avoid probate and they do that. Um, and what that means is when somebody passes away, you don't have to go through the court process. And that is a lot of people's goals. They don't want their kids to have to go through probate, deal with the courts. And so they think that the, the solution is to either give them a life estate or to add them to the title to a deed. And that does the job, but it also potentially has a lot of other issues. And it sounds like what one of the issues that um, Terry's client was dealing with is when you have a life estate, there's different types. And if you don't have the right one, the life tenant, the mom in that case, has no authority. So she has to get permission from the remainderman, who I'm assuming was her daughter, to sell, to mortgage, to do anything. And if they don't have the right documents for all of that, now that the mom has Alzheimer's, uh. right. So how do you do that? Um, so there's potential issues, other issues, and he mentioned also that servicers don't like dealing with life estates. Part of the reason for that is, so let's say, you know, you have a life estate, you get to live in the house for your life, and then upon your death, it automatically passes to me. But you have a mortgage. You pass away. Well, maybe I have a lot of credit problems and I don't qualify for a mortgage. The intent was for me to inherit the house, but I can't qualify for the mortgage. The lender doesn't just go away, right? They right. want paid. Yeah. So that can cause a lot of problems. Um, I will say that from an estate planning perspective, 99% of the time, we do not recommend a life estate. What? Say that again? <laughs> so um, they do have uses, but it's very technical. And this is where I will get up on my soapbox and say, talk to an experienced estate planning and elder law attorney 
who can tell you all of the pros and cons, look at your whole situation, and then tell you if that might be the right, the right um, step for you. Oh, boy. Okay. <laughs> so, all right. So, I guess my first thought would be um, with life estates and things and how there's different ones for different situations. How My first question would be, how do you know... Um, how does someone out there know what is, besides meeting you, sitting down, talking with you and giving ideas about a situation or a potential one, how do you know which is the best thing? How, what's the best way to set something up? So it depends on the goals. So if your goal is to let, you know, avoid probate for your loved ones when you pass away, then a life estate deed is probably not the best way to do it. There are other ways to do it through a will and through a revocable living trust. And revocable living trusts are becoming very common these days because they do avoid probate. They have a lot of other benefits as well. Um, but it has built-in and capacity planning, meaning if the, the person that created the trust, the property owner, does become incapacitated from dementia, Alzheimer's, some other illness, there's already built-in um, successor trustees who then have automatic authority to do things. So you don't necessarily have to end up in a situation where a guardianship is needed um, or conservatorship. I know he mentioned that last week. And um, the other thing you can do is make sure you have powers of attorney in place, healthcare directives in place, so that if you become incapacitated, you've already named somebody to manage your affairs. Um, Terry, I talked to him last night about this, and he did mention to me, um, can somebody with Alzheimer's buy or sell a house? Yeah, great question. And the answer is yes, if you have the right type of power of attorney. And again, there's different types of those. Yeah, what are the different types? Can you go through those? Sure. Um, so there's Maryland has what's called a statutory power of attorney. Most states have them, and they just updated it in October. So if you don't have a current one, oh, you might want one. Um, and what they do is they are now what's called durable, and that means that they survive in capacity. So if you have a durable power of attorney that's valid and it's a statutory power of attorney, lenders, financial institutions are legally required to accept it. Okay, so... Ooh, that's they, important. Yeah, and they allow you to buy, sell, mortgage, second mortgages, whatever. They allow you to do everything with regard to real estate. So it's a very, very powerful tool, but it has to be executed properly. So this is where you want to talk to an estate planning attorney, an elder law attorney, to make sure that you're checking all the right boxes and that it has all the magic words that financial institutions are looking for when it comes to these things. Okay, so let's go back real quick. You had mentioned about, first of all, wills. Mm -hmm. I read one time, and I don't know how true this is, the most basic thing anybody could do, whether you're married, single, not, if you just have a pulse, for goodness gracious, and you're over 18 years old, it may not be not only not a bad idea to at least get a term or type of life insurance of some sort of amount or something like that, um, either through your work or yourself individually, but I read one time that nearly... 30 to 40% of all people alive today over 18 years old in the United States do not have a will or nothing in place. Is that is that accurate at all or just where are we at with that? Uh, that's low. Two-thirds of what? Americans, two-thirds of Americans do not have any kind of estate planning documents. 
Okay, that's a problem. <laughs> it is okay. a problem. <laughs> so a will is the first thing, right? No yep. matter what. Okay. Yep. So you guys do that, right? Yep. Okay. So we're looking at a will. I need to look at mine. I need to update mine. And of course, life does change yes. because of marriage situations or having kids or a family member that you got in a fight with at the dinner table at Thanksgiving or Christmas under the tree. And all of a sudden there was a brawl and it's like, we're taking you out of that thing, right? We're going to change this nonsense up and not give you a million dollars when I die. Um, life changes changes, right? Correct. Life thinks, okay, so a will is number one, but you had said about, was it a, a real a revocable trust? Revocable. Okay, revocable. Okay, yep. what is the difference and why is it important to set up a revocable trust? Who is that best for? So revocable trusts are very similar to wills in function. So that's where you're going to distribute, you're going to say who gets what, who manages your affairs. The difference is wills by their very design have to go through the probate process. Whereas when you set up a revocable trust and you fund it properly, meaning you actually transfer your assets to the trust, that avoids probate because you, when you, Darren Ahern, die as an individual person, you don't own anything. So you have no probate estate. Your trust owns everything. What about taxes? Does that mean nobody has to pay no taxes, no gains, no, no nothing? Unfortunately, no. Uh, <laughs> they are see-through entities. So okay. um, nothing changes. You still file your 1040. You still use your Social Security number as your tax ID number. It's strictly for probate avoidance, but it's also um, they're private, whereas wills are public record. So you can go onto the Register of Wills website and look up anybody's will, see who's inheriting, how much money they're inheriting. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's not fun for a lot of people. They like the privacy aspect of the trust. So they're very beneficial. Um, they do take a little bit more time to set up because of the transferring of assets, and they are more expensive. You're going to pay more to set them up. Do you have a ballpark number of how much that costs to do? Yeah, so um, if you set up a basic will, and I will also mm -hmm. say here, don't just do a will or just do a trust. Okay. Make sure you also have your incapacity documents, your powers of attorney, and your health care directives. You yes. need all of them. Yes. Um, so wills, will packages around this area range anywhere from, I would say, $1,500 um, and beyond trusts are probably about 3,500 to start and beyond they can get more complicated and more expensive the more involved they get so um, but you want to find somebody that knows what they're doing don't just go to your general practitioner who knows that they can do a will go to somebody that knows what they're doing because it's a lot of information and a lot of considerations experience matters it it's kind of like a real estate agent that's been licensed for three years versus 20 years right somebody yes. who's done five deals versus 700 yes all right so let's talk about um so that really defines the differences not okay and then all the other aspects that really make sure somebody's really protected and all that so mm -hmm. um i guess somebody out there if anybody wants to call in 301-694-9363 or make sure you text uh that number and frank will definitely get that to Lindsay and i um um, I guess the first thought I have also as we discuss this in retrospect to like real estate and life and everything, but also real estate, what's the what's the most common problem that arises? <laughs> I know I'm opening up a can of worms here and it's a big one. I, I'm, not, I'm sorry if I'm going too broad and I just pulled out the really big paintbrush stroke, but here we go. We still have a lot of time though. We got over 10, about 10 minutes. All right. So what um, what is the biggest, what are the biggest issues and problems that you encounter and also how do you fix some of these things? Um, I think the biggest thing is misinformation. We get a lot of people coming to us saying, oh, well, if I die, my spouse gets everything. That's not necessarily true. And Maryland, again, just um, kind of revised their laws effective in October. Uh. 
Yeah. So again, yes. So um, that's not necessarily the case. And Is this the whole thing about um, uh, the whole uh, for real estate? We have tenants by the entirety and da, 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 all those things. You mean or this is just your probate, your estate? Oh, just yeah. your estate. Doesn't um, matter about how someone takes property in that regard. Um, this is the probate. Yes. Okay, go ahead. Now, I want to hear more. Yeah. So, for example, um, if you are married and you don't have any will or anything, yeah, and what you're, happens? you're married, but maybe you own your house by yourself. You okay. don't have it. You never added your spouse to the deed. If you have adult children, then your spouse does get everything, which may or may not be what you want. If you have minor children, your spouse is going to split your estate 50-50 with your children. If you have children from a prior relationship, oh boy, blended family situation, mm-hmm. whether they're minors or adults, your spouse is going to get the first 100000 and then your spouse is going to get, and your children are going to split the remaining, whatever's left, 50-50. So it's not necessarily what people think. Oh, my spouse is just going to get everything. Um, so that's a big one is just the misinformation. The other thing we hear a lot is, oh, I have a will, so I don't have to go through probate. And as I said, wills by design have to go through probate. Uh, you brought up a, a favorite topic of mine. Let's go! <laughs> um, don't do your own deed. First of all, what? Um, but also, there's there's different ways you can jointly own property, as I'm sure you know. Yes, we um, had to study that in real estate law and yeah. pass the exam too. So, um, quick horror story or, that I'm trying to fix now. Okay. Um, a client of mine owned property jointly with her father. It appears that they did their own deed back in the 80s. They've lived in this house for forever. Um, the house is now paid off. It's in Potomac. It's worth some some dollars <laughs> you think um he passed away the father passed away in 2015 mm-hmm. she did the probate herself um she opened a small estate which is less than fifty thousand dollars did not include the house because she owned it with her dad right okay. should have automatically passed to her right she went to talk to a realtor last year to sell the house they owned it as tenants in common which means Ooh. did not pass to her it means she owned 50%, her dad owned 50%, and it's because they didn't put the magic language in the deed that says joint tenancy with right of survivorship. Oh, wow. So we are reopening the estate to probate her father's half, and now there's a potential half-niece that's claiming some rights to the property. Oh, so it's boy. become other, it's become problem, problematic. But yeah, so people, um, and that's not the first time I've seen that, where people thought they owned it jointly and they would automatically get it. And that's not the case. So we have to open probate and it just becomes a hassle. Wow. What a situation. All right. What are some other um, important situations that we haven't maybe touched on as well? With regard to specifically real estate or? Yeah. First, first specifically with real estate. Yep. I think with real estate, the biggest thing is um, you want to talk to an attorney and figure out why you're doing certain things. And then whether there's mortgages involved and how is what you're trying to do going to affect, um, you know, remaindermen or your beneficiaries from actually inheriting the house. Because just leaving a house to somebody in a will, especially if there's a mortgage, what if they can't afford it? So you want to have other mechanisms in your plan. For example, if you set up a trust and maybe you have a life insurance policy that you pay into the trust when you pass away. That could pay off the mortgage and allow your beneficiaries to live there and not have to sell the house or not let the house go into foreclosure. Wow. So there's a lot to, you know, it's a lot more than just, I'm going to do a will and I'm going to say, I'm leaving my kids everything. It really, 
it, it would really benefit you to sit down with somebody who knows what they're talking about and go over, okay, well, what if this happens? What if this person passes away before you? What if there's a mortgage? Can they afford the mortgage? How do you want this divided? A lot of people also say, well, I'm just going to leave this to my three kids. If you don't specify in there how you want them to take title, the default is tenants in common, so they each own a third which can be problematic depending on how they get along, whether <laughs> one wants to sell it, you know. So it's just, it's, it's good to sit down with somebody to, to play out those scenarios so that your ultimate goal can be put in writing and then be followed. I think you brought up a great thing about um, kids, for, for instance, whether <laughs> it's like, you know, somebody that's single that owns a house and then they've had kids or, you know, their, their spouse passed away or, or whatever happened and, or together married couple or something and let's just say they for instance say you know what um we two big things that were our goals are and i don't know how much this happens but this is what runs in my mind i have six boys so this is why i'm going wow. this direction <laughs> okay um not everybody's not getting a million dollars well they might but not everyone's getting a million dollars sitting around here right around the dinner table but if i wanted my wife we wanted to say um i want to leave obviously i want to leave Everything product. We don't have grandkids or nothing yet, so we want to leave everything for our children. Mm -hmm. Some happen to both of us, God forbid, or whatever it is, or me or whatever. So we want to leave it to the kids. What? How? And they all get along great, by the way. Now I've got. Uh, we've got four that are above eighteen and okay. two that are below eighteen. So now, in that particular situation, the biggest thing is uh, we want to pass everything on to our children. What would be the best way to set that up? Um, for you guys. That was going to be one of my questions. How old are they? Um, and how soon do you want them to inherit? So minors cannot inherit legally. So okay. the two that are wow. under the two that are under eighteen would have to, by law, have a trust set up for them until they're twenty-one. Okay. Okay. But at twenty-one, whatever's in those trusts, here you go. You can have it. Ah, it just changes over. Does it change over automatically? Whoever the trustee is, okay. the kid could then come and demand it and say, "I want my money," and the trustee would legally have to say, "Okay, here wow. you go." So. This is another thing we talk to with our clients, depending on their age, their financial maturity. Do you want them to inherit that right at your death? Mm -hmm. Or do you want to spread it out some? Do you uh, want to put some guardrails on there so maybe they don't inherit at 21? Maybe they inherit some of it at 21 and some of it when they're 30 and some of it a little bit later. You can do those types of things. But again, it's all... I don't know your kids. I've never met your kids. Mm -hmm. So it's really very um, specific to your situation. So estate planning is not one and done. This is my biggest problem with LegalZoom. Sure, you can like check boxes. Glad you brought that up. The $69.95, <laughs> just do it yourself thing. Tell, yeah. Talk to us about that. So the question we usually get is, are they legal? Okay. Yes, they're legal. But do they do, well, as long as you execute them properly, I will say that. But do they do what you think they're going to do? And do mm. they do what you actually want them to do? Do they work the way that you, that you want them to? Because if you're just going through checking boxes and you don't actually know what those boxes mean or by saying yes, what that looks like after you pass away, well, you're dead, so you can't fix that. <laughs> no, okay? nope, too late, late for that. <laughs> yeah, so um, that's my biggest problem with the do-it-yourself planning is people have kind of a false sense of security thinking that, oh, yeah, I've done my will, I've done the right thing. But if they aren't educated about what all is involved when you're kind of thinking about these things, it may actually be worse for your family than had you done nothing at all. And the second big thing I was thinking about is 
um, how things get set up to, is it possible to minimize or avoid capital gains, death taxes, this, that's, and all the other thing? Because I know the super wealthy and the rich people and all them somehow, some way know either laws or loopholes to where how in the world do they pass on properties and millions and yachts and everything and nobody ever has to pay gains on it and everybody gets to sit around and enjoy it and it keeps going up in value or something. How does that happen? They get really good lawyers. Oh, yeah? Um, so the general rule for capital gains yep. for any kind of asset that appreciates, it is better to inherit than receive it as a gift. Ooh. So if you want to leave the house that you bought in 1975 to your children mm-hmm. and it's been paid off, mm-hmm. do not add them to the title. Wow. That, that's powerful. Keep going. Yes. Keep going. We got two more minutes. Keep going. Yep. So just put it in a will. Okay. Put it in a will. Put it in a trust. And then when you die, you get that step up in basis. So if they decide to sell it, there's no capital gains due. Wow. So um, do not gift if you want. Same with stocks. Anything that appreciates. Okay. You yep. want to inherit. Um, if you are ultra wealthy, then you need to talk with an attorney who um, can use things like irrevocable trusts, which are a whole different topic. Can you take one minute and talk about what that is? Irrevocable trusts are trusts you set up now that cannot be changed. And generally, you are relinquishing control um, over those assets, and they remove them from your taxable estate. What's the benefit of that? What's the pro of that? You don't pay estate taxes when you die. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, that sounds really enticing. You just said you got my attention. You don't pay estate taxes when you die. Yeah. Okay, so that's the biggest pro. What's the biggest con to doing that? You're giving up control of your assets. Who gets control? Whoever you assign to. Yeah, and in different circumstances, you would assign to different people. They're also used for Medicaid planning, so they're oh, wow. they're good uses for them as well. Okay, so but that's yes. good. All right, keep going. We still got three minutes. Go ahead. Okay. Um, so. What else? I forget. I forget where we were. I don't know. I got excited about capital gains. Um, Capital gains. Yeah. I will say, don't worry about estate taxes too much, though, because right now, unless you have below or more than five million dollars in your estate, if you're married, ten million dollars, you don't have to pay estate taxes. Really? Um, Fed. That's the Maryland state level. Federal level is around twenty-seven million right now. Okay. It is going to sunset. and that was that was a Trump the Trump tax that is going to sunset at the end of 2025, and okay. it's going to come down to around six million per person, okay. and then double it for a married couple. So it's still the ultra wealthy, but that is one of those laws that changes with legislation over time. And so you want to have your estate plan reviewed every three to five years just to see what changes might need to be made. Okay, so we got about two and a half minutes left. Here's what I want to ask: is sure. besides some of the things you've been dealing with, what's one more subject or um, if somebody, if you were riding down the elevator with someone and you had two minutes to share with them something really, really important uh, besides anything else you can think of that we've already discussed a little bit, what would that be? Just um, every adult over the age of 18 needs to have some kind of estate plan in place, whether it's incapacity plan, definitely incapacity planning documents, maybe a will. Um, also, if you have any special needs, people in your life, children, adults, mm. um, it's really important to speak to somebody to plan for them, especially if they're receiving government benefits so that they don't potentially lose them if they were to inherit money. Whoa, that is important. Okay. You just said if, if someone's raising children, caretakers, whatever, and they have disability kids or other mm-hmm. loved ones or whatever, if something's not set up correctly, they can lose benefits for that individual? Yes. 
because there are income there are income limits. Wow. Okay. So this this is really really big. I mean, there are so 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 many areas um, to think through. So. Wow, this is really good. All right, let's do this uh, real quick. I Everybody out there I know is wanting to know how in the world uh, we're going to, th- next week, by the way, I will also announce your name and phone number and the whole nine yards of how to get a hold of you. But I want you to do that now so everybody listening out there and can get back on Facebook on my again to listen to this or they can call me because my information's on the end. Give everybody, how did they get in touch with you, Lindsay, to get this kind of help? Um, so the easiest way is to go to our website. It's willowlegalgroup.com. And you can schedule a 15-minute call with us, myself or my partner, Megan. Our phone number is 240-813-8843. Or you can email me, lindsay at willowlegalgroup.com. And that's lindsay, L-I-N-D-S-A-Y. All right. And this is also in the WFMD.com each week. It's going to be uploaded into the main system for the radio station. And if you go under your Frederick Real Estate update and go in the drop down menu, you will get this information as well to listen to, to hear it again. So a number of sources, but the best way also is call her directly. Um, we've got about 30 seconds. So as we finish out the program, I've got to ask you this, just like we ask everybody, what are your thoughts about the real estate market? I am hopeful that in the few next few months the rates are going to go down and people are going to start selling their houses all right so you would like to see <laughs> rates go down and people starting to sell their houses yes. we're all in the same boat together we would love to see that but from all the signs and indicators and everything we're seeing it doesn't look like the fed is going to cut much rate stuff too much this year maybe once or twice maybe that's the the chatterbox rumors um, but my personal belief, even though we get towards the election coming up, mm-hmm. we would love to see interest rates go below 6%. Um, but personally, I think because of the entire overall state of our economy and everything else, I don't think we're going to see it. But if we do, it'll be a big plus. So, yes. all right. Take care. Thanks so much, Lindsay, for Thank being you. on your Frank Real Estate Update. Thank you guys for tuning in. Happy buying and selling. Stay warm out there. And we will see you next week, each and every Saturday at 11 o'clock here on WFM Day. Thanks. It's Meg Goller with Community Title Network. Experience close to home. Community Title Network is the most trusted title and settlement partner for real estate professionals, buyers, and sellers. Our team is comprised of the most skilled and experienced underwriters in our region to ensure your rights are secured as an owner or as a lender. We combine that with our skilled and experienced attorneys, settlement agents, and processing staff who ensure a smooth closing experience. Our Frederick office is conveniently located along Carroll Creek in downtown Frederick. For your next settlement, Give Community Title Network a call. We're at 301-304-6620. At Community Title Network, we challenge the norm. We're good as the benchmark for many. We aim for greatness. Hello, this is Terry Kernan with Presidential Bank Mortgage in downtown Frederick. And the best way to reach me always is on my cell phone at 301-639-9244. 301-639-9244, or you can always email me at tkernan at presidential.com. And this is Darren Ahern from REMAX Results. You can reach me anytime, 240-344-1713. Again, it's 240-344-1713 or at DarrenAhern at gmail.com. Thanks so much for tuning in to your Frederick Real Estate Update. We will see you each and every Saturday right here on WFMD at 11 o'clock.